Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Act of 2022 would allow you or a loved one to file lawsuits seeking compensation for illnesses and injuries linked to the toxic water. Call today for your free consultation. 800-439-4252. Let our experienced attorneys fight to get you the compensation you deserve. And you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. Call 800-439-4252. That's 800-439-4252. Again, 800-439-4252. At Genesis Memphis Covington Pike, it's time to define luxury in a new way. At every turn, you'll find audacious design, state-of-the-art technology, and exceptional hospitality. We are dedicated to crafting the world's best vehicles, matched by an extraordinary sales-to-service experience for our owners. Prepare to be noticed in the 2023 Genesis G70. This sporty sedan is a force to be seen. We'd love you to explore the 2023 Genesis GV70 with a class-leading 300-horsepower engine or the available 375-horsepower twin-turbo V6 for terrains from concrete jungles to mountain roads. It's a new beginning for a new generation. Genesis Memphis Covington Pike, 1870 Covington Pike, or visit us online at memphisgenesis.com. Estimated horsepower based on premium fuel ratings. Use of regular fuel will result in reduced horsepower. See dealer for complete details. Dealer stock only. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Gene Ottawa and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at JWright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. We're glad that he's with us. Sitting across me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. The top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNOTO. Mark Good. Day, sir. Man, what a weekend. A lot of action. A lot of action. I dare I say, so you'll recall, I believe it was Friday when I made the uh I, I said, you know what? I'm feeling better vibes about the Grizzlies because they went they all went to Marcus Smart's bowling event mm-hmm. on Thursday, and I was like, You were trying to you let's be clear. You were trying to establish, you were trying to 
plant your flag mm-hmm. and say if there it, was going to be a turnaround, you were going to point out the bowling the out, bit. the bowling and, out, the night at the bowling and you alley. You wanted credit. You wanted to go on the record. I wanted to get out there early in front yeah. of it. It was a little too early, Jeffrey, because turns out, turns out, the actual event that maybe we should be planting our flag on saddle up is set. Yeah, saddle up, effing atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor Jenkins. Uh, Starting kicking, kickstarting the weekend by blowing up at the officials after the the Utah Jazz game, and dare I say it worked because subsequently we got Memphis football beating Charlotte. We got Memphis well, well, the basketball game. Had oh yeah, finished, excuse me. The basketball had, game. Had no, you're right. That no, point. you're right. Absolutely. No, I'm even yeah. forgetting that we got Memphis second half comeback against Missouri. I I I want to say it coincided, but like it was a little. It was already looking good a little bit with Memphis Listen, basketball it, when Jenkins went off, but correct. If you, but if you're we're some, a narrative show, but if you're a narrative show, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to take, if you want to say that that was a sign, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Regardless, they had not won the game when Taylor Jenkins correct. went off at the officials. Correct. So then they go out. Tigers really impressive performance in the second half. To, to get a key road win at Missouri to really jumpstart their season. Then, next day, Memphis football, another 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 uh What are you I, talking about? Another comeback. Another comeback. I feel another they, road comeback. They've put us through a lot, but they got they got to where they needed to get to, and that's all that matters, Jeffrey. They got another win. Then Memphis women's soccer. Their their respect tour, disrespect tour after getting seated poorly in the NCAA tournament, they go beat LSU two to one there was in the a first lot of, round of the NCAA tournament. There was a lot of tiger on tiger crime this weekend. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, Grizzlies going to LA, go to the place formerly known as Staples Center, Crypto.com Arena, a place, Jeffrey, where I looked it up. They were 0-6 last year, mm-hmm. including the playoffs. And honestly, I thought it was worse. <laughs> but they did not win a game Correct. at Crypto.com Arena last season. I guess season. there was a situation, though, where they only played – I think they played the Lakers there twice, they, they played the Clippers there once. Yes, that's, yeah. and then they played three times in the playoffs yeah. there and lost all three. Two, two of the three in the playoffs, just absolute blowouts. Uh, <laughs> but, Jeffrey, this team – you can. They've done something that last year's team didn't. The Grizzlies. They won at Crypto.com Arena Correct. yesterday, beating uh, Jacob Gilliard. How Bismack, is that still Crypto.com Arena? I don't know. They must have. I, I don't know. How can they be paying for the arena when they're in bankruptcy? Maybe they paid it all up front. That's not how those deals work. I know. I don't. Know. But it it still says it on the floor there. No, I think I remember seeing this when they did the they wide shot and you could see it on the. It's still on the. Uh, the scoreboard, too. Yeah, so the Grizzlies get their second win of the season, leaning on a starting lineup that features Jacob Gilliard and Bismack Biombo, and they outdo. And, like, dare I say, like, I mean, Jacob, I in that game yesterday, I would have rather had Jacob Gilliard than James Harden. Yeah, I think you can, I <laughs> like think you can safely say that. That's the world we that. live in right yes. now. Like I, I right. was, it's I a was, very limited sample, but yes, if yesterday. For that game, correct, yesterday. I agree. I, like, Which is what a world, but and no. I'm a Harden hater, long standing. I've had the, I've had my card for a while. I'm a big time Harden hater. I can't stand the way he plays basketball. With that being said, normally if you would make that statement, that would definitely be fitting for overreaction Monday. Mm-hmm. I think that's just tell the truth there. Uh, uh, that should have been said on Tuesday. So there's a lot to get to on overreaction Monday today, um, and we're gonna get to it here in a second. 
Uh, Jason Munns, Tiger basketball beat writer from the Commercial Appeal, will join us at 2.40 or so. Get his thoughts on that huge Missouri win and where it puts Memphis heading into it. They have a game against Alabama State Friday, but really heading into the battle for Atlantis where they could potentially face some some more big-time matchups. Um, 3 o'clock or so, we'll do our recap of the recap, our I'm, NFL primetime I'm recap. I'm willing to declare it. This was the best episode of primetime this season. This season? or It's venturing into best episodes since we started doing this whole thing. I think since that's we started fair. recapping I, the recap. I'm, I'm telling you, I've never seen Boom firing on all cylinders like this. We had everything. Well, and, and it was, for me, just a great Sunday because... For whatever reason, my kids decided to cooperate right during the witching mm-hmm. hour. I was able to watch on Red Zone the entire witching hour without it was any a great interruption. Witching hour, yeah, it was. It yeah, was maybe the best since week one. Yeah, um, and uh, so lots to get to on the NFL front, and then we'll get to the list and wrap things up. But let's start with our overreactions. I think we should start with you know we talked a little about the Grizzlies. We'll get to them in a second, but I think we should start with college football, okay, both locally and nationally, because that seems to be. I mean that's. That's the big, the biggest stories in sports right now revolve revolve around college football and the biggest game coming up this week here locally. Mm-hmm. I think is the Memphis football game against SMU now on Saturday at eleven a.m. Well, the ti- Tiger basketball's got one game, correct? Tiger basketball plays Alabama when, State Friday. Clearly, that's not bigger than that. The soccer game is. I know it's in soccer games Friday. Okay. So you, know, you could argue that's bigger. I mean, I think you can only make you can make the argument it's bigger simply because then, it's win and win or go home. But the, like the, the Grizz, game is. the Grizzlies have the Lakers tomorrow night. Then they have it's a weird San Antonio. It's yeah, a late they, they like their, whatever. Like a, we have a weird like four days off or three. Yeah, days like they're off. gonna come back. From what I understand, like they're in L.A. right now, and they're gonna cut. Even though they play on the road again for their next game after tomorrow night, they're gonna come home first, and then go to San Antonio from here. Play Wembenyama for the first time on Saturday. Then Sunday, second night of a back-to-back, Celtics are here in Memphis. So it'll be Marcus Smart's first game against the Celtics. Yep. Um, so a lot of stuff. But I think I'd put Memphis SMU as the most. It's certainly the most. Like, it's either that or the women's soccer game are the, mo- the most important. And I would just argue based on, like, fan investment yep. in stuff. Like, you know, like ultimately... Memphis women's soccer is a fantastic story. They set an attendance record with like two thousand people the well, other night. It was fantastic, successful program, and a really successful program. Um, but that game's in Fayetteville. They're going to play. And it's, it's also it's, it's just the nature. Yeah, it's just it's the it difference is. between college football and women's soccer. And here, Memphis football is going to get an opportunity to not necessarily. It's it, what it is is it's an elimination game. That's what this game is against SMU. Whoever wins isn't necessarily guaranteed a spot in the AAC championship game, although I'd argue SMU has a pretty good shot at it if they win. Well, because All SMU I got to do is beat Navy. They played Navy yeah, yeah, the last but, I mean, game. SMU is in a, SMU, SMU controls does its control own, their own destiny. Memphis needs help. Memphis needs a little – Memphis needs a Tulane win over UTSA or a UTSA to lose at some point here right. over the last – They two. either need two more UT, – they need two UTSA losses or Tulane – One UTSA loss or two Tulane losses. That's what they need. Yeah, Although it gets complicated yeah, yeah. if the UTSA yeah, loss isn't yeah. to Tulane, and then it gets real yeah. complicated then. But we can say this for sure: the loser of this game is basically is eliminated from the AAC yeah, championship I think that's a, conversation. I think that's a fair way to phrase it. It's, the, it's an elimination game for the AAC championship game, 11 a.m. And it happened because 
Memphis, you know, pulled out another squeaker, gave everyone a heart attack again, you know, but ended up you know, winning in overtime, 44-38 at Charlotte. Um, overcame two different 10-point deficits in the fourth quarter to do it. Um, overcame Seth Hennigan getting injured, re-injuring his shoulder, and this time when Tevin Carter came in, instead of throwing a touchdown pass on his first throw, he threw an interception that was... Uh, oh no! I, it was I, pretty I, bad interception. There was there was like five things going on at once when he threw that interception, and at the time I had not moved it over to TV one. It was one of those things that you you had to like go back and rewind. It's like, did he was he serious? Like, I think the ball maybe the ball slipped a little I, bit, dude. I watched it twice, like because there was there was a receiver beyond the dude who intercepted. It was it. almost like he forgot what colors they were wearing. Yeah, it was a, it was a bad throw, but. Nonetheless, they they overcame then then because no the thing is when a ball slips out of your hand it yeah. doesn't have that much velocity yeah no it was it was a bad interception a regrettable interception but Seth comes back in the game yeah toughs it out you have to deal with a defense that couldn't like I don't that Charlotte running back literally had not carried the ball all season well, they didn't have any game film on him Mark <laughs> I think had one carry for four yards his entire college career. And he rushes for almost 203 touchdowns. It was, I, I tweeted this. It looked like Biff Pogey was treating Matt Barnes like this was the 2021 uh, Michigan Ohio State game all over again, which Matt Barnes was the DC for Ohio State for that. Right. Like the, where they were just running over Memphis. There was nothing, Memphis knew what was coming. And for a while there, they were just running over them. Right. The one difference, though, I would say is um, Michigan, if they wanted to have passed, it would have been a reasonable. It would have been a reasonable decision. Yeah. Every time Charlotte, Charlotte threw the ball, you actually would tell yourself, what are they doing? No, and the, and the saving grace was Memphis ends up with four turnovers in that game, including a pick six. Like, if you had told me Memphis was going to create four turnovers, including one that was a pick six against Charlotte, but would need overtime to win the game beforehand, I'd be like, what? No. They get four turnovers and a pick six. Like, that game's going to be a blowout. I think I'd even make the argument. How about this? Chandler Martin's pick six was obviously a huge play. Didn't you think the 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 stop on third down was a bigger play when he actually made the tackle? Yeah, like I I, I was like that's a bigger play. But I you if you would have said they're going to get four turnovers, including a pick six, and they're going to need overtime, I would have also had to remind you Memphis would also turn the ball over four times. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know what, Jeffrey, my overreaction. Doesn't matter how these last four wins ha- came came about, they happened. That's all that matters now. They have a chance on Saturday to to really, I think, put a put an exclamation point on the season. It feels like, like I think there's yeah, this, I, I have a different overreaction. It's this weird dynamic of the reality is they are eight and two, and they have they do not have a win against a team that's above five hundred. That's both the function of the like the schedule. Can, they has, are they are eight and two, and you can make the argument their best win of the year is the whatever seven point loss to Missouri. <laughs> yeah, and, and truly, there. And if you're really going deep, they're probably their best win of the year is probably the Boise State game, and Boise State just fired their coach after a win, though. <laughs> but like, I just. I don't understand some of the conversations I'm seeing about like like all that other stuff like you know is this team any good whatever blah 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 like you know 
I, you know, I still don't believe in the coach, whatever. Like, save all that for, like, another week. Like, save all that till after the SMU game. Like, I don't understand if you are a fan of Memphis football and you are focusing on that right now. I'm not saying you shouldn't focus focus on it eventually. But right now, this week, that, is, yeah, that to uh, me, t- uh, I disagree. And here's why. Uh, my overreaction is this. It is okay to not feel great about the future of the program mm-hmm. and also feel good for your guys. Like, mm-hmm. That was a gutty, that's a gutty win. Now, here's where I disagree on when everyone, there's been a lot of, been a lot of lecturing on everybody of be grateful for the wins. Here's what, here's in the end, like when you get to the core of why is everyone upset is because they realize if you have to do this and you've got a game that matters coming up Saturday against SMU, it's not going to go well. Yeah, so That's like, what everyone's why, up- I, I I don't understand why we can't do that next week. Why do we have to do that now? Because that's not how football works. Football is emotional. And here's the yeah. other reality. It's one thing. I just disagree. It's one thing if you get a win against, okay, maybe it's an unimpressive win against a team that you still kind of care about. Mm-hmm. The reality is everyone is recognizing in real time the league is not good. And yeah. you're watching them struggle I guess against my, the bottom of the league. I guess my, my point would be this is what the league's going to be from here on out. Like right, This is but, who you're going to be playing okay, from here on out. I'm with you, and that's true. The reality is though, this is year one. And so there are yeah. some people that have not – Like I, I just think like – it's one. I'll say this. It's, it's one thing to intellectually know these are the teams they added. It's one thing, though, to see the year play out and you everyone recognizes – Man, these teams it, that are moving up. It seems like, though, if you can't get some enjoyment from this right now, that's a really hot, high bar for, like, not not even talking about standards for the program, but just in terms of, like, you as a fan, like, it's going to be a miserable existence if, like, this can't get your juices flowing a little bit. Like, well, I, I, I think that's why you've also seen so many people beaten down by conference realignment and everything. Yeah. Like, they, I think there's an inherent recognition. Well, also, I'm excited for Memphis. Football. I would also add, though, another big part of this is it's what we've been talking about all season. When you make your way to the hot seat, mm-hmm. it's really difficult to make your way off the hot seat. And winning a game against Charlotte and both Bill Conley's postgame win expectancy and college football data's postgame win expectancy says if you play that game, you lose it 70% of the time. It's kind of tough to sit there and be like, let's go get them. I guess. I don't know. I just that, see all that stuff to me is like it just convolutes the fact that like they did win the games. It doesn't I don't give a crap about the win expectancy number. They won the game and they've won four in a row and they've won eight of ten. And like it doesn't mean like like I've been as critical of Ryan Silverfield in this program as anyone over the past couple of years. But like again, all I reasonably expected and I, I felt like most of the fan base reasonably expected going into this year was, hey, let's get to November and be in the hunt to win a conference championship and have the chance to win a conference championship. And that's where they are in the middle of November. We're going to have a really meaningful football game. And to me, to focus on anything else, I, I, I just I find it to be a little off-putting, to be quite honest. I, like There's a big game coming up. We can talk. We have plenty of time to talk about you know the tightrope act this this team walked, and whether it's sustainable long term, like 
they got a big game on Saturday. And all they got to do is look good for one game. Because, like, ultimately... Right, but I guess what you're missing is this. It's one thing to have a game that is a big game. It's another thing to have the game that is the big game, and you're walking into the building, and you feel good about it. It's one thing for a game to be significant. You don't feel good at all. No, I do not. They're, they opened as what? Seven, SMU opened as seven and a half point favorite. Correct. This is the best team they've played since Missouri. They're better than Tulane. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Missouri line. Was the Missouri line bigger? It was like six. It closed to like six because yeah. I, I ended up taking Missouri. It's like, if you're going to give me a touchdown, okay, fine. I don't know. I, I just, uh, it's a little off putting to me if you're complaining about eight and two right now. I'm, I just can't. I, I, I saw some of the tweets, and I was just I was going to respond to someone. I was just, you know what? I'm going to ignore those See, people right now. I think, though, to use an example that we also saw this weekend that you're more more familiar with, it's very similar to how Penn, Penn State, State feels when they, they watch the exact – I mean, honestly, there was really no difference between the Ohio State game and the Michigan game other than one no, game. No, it's like in, every year they've done I think, Correct. I think James Franklin's like 3-16 and 16 against Michigan and Penn State at correct. this point. And then, though, that's – that's it was funny. I was looking at the bowl projections today, and right now they've got McMurphy had the Peach Bowl as Penn State versus Tulane. Yeah, which is like basically. And I was like thinking in my head, I go, "Oh, this is exactly what Penn State fans had." Yeah, four years ago when they played Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. And remember, you're at the Cotton Bowl and you're looking around, and you're going, "Man, there really aren't that many Penn State fans no, I mean, here." Because listen, whereas, like, you're looking at the Memphis side, and you're like, "Man, Memphis really showed out for this." For better or worse. If you're the Power 5 team that has to go play the G5 champion, mm-hmm. no one's thrilled about it. Mm-hmm. You know why? It's a, like, cannot win proposition. Yeah. And, like, that's the reality of the situation. But the, it's the same thing as Penn State feels. It's one thing It's one thing to go into a big game and feel like, all right, this is exactly the team. We're playing the way we want to play. Like, we've got everything rolling. This is where we want it to be. It's another thing when it feels like you're limping in and you've been having to escape against teams that are not going to a bowl with, you know, late game heroics or honestly, the other team making the mistakes. Yeah. Well, but I also agree. Like, you can be happy that you can be happy for the players. Mm -hmm. Well, like, I just think the future of the program and this week don't need to be tied together. Like, we can focus on the future of the program later. And the reality is, what they've done right here, I, I think before the season, I said they were going to, I thought they were going to go nine and three. Now, I thought it would play out. I thought it was going to be they'll lose one that you don't expect, and maybe they'll win one that you don't sure. expect is how it would play out. Well, there was at one point where I was trying to think back. There was one point in the second half, mm-hmm. and. Commercial Appeals, Jonah Dillon, mm-hmm. I think in the preseason. Wasn't this the game? Yes, he called this the trap game, and people got all upset at him. And He said he predicted a loss for Memphis correct. in his preseason And I remember thinking, I think he had eight and four, and I was like, he is going to have, like, I would have framed that. Like, I would have <laughs> framed that prediction. Um, no, and now it feels like they've got a chance for a 10-win regular season if they win on Saturday, but... It feels like the baseline now at this point. I mean, they're they're eight and two. They're gonna uh, to me. I don't think they're gonna lose to Temple in the last game. I, we're talking about a nine and three regular season at the very least. I mean, I most cer- certainly hope not. But if I mean, you, given what's happened, yeah. and especially if you're yeah, and if you're reeling off a loss, yeah. Now, uh, 
it is interesting how the AAC is playing out. Like you're you're looking at Tulane, and Tulane is doing the same thing Memphis is doing. Tulane is definitely limping to the finish, and it feels like if you look at just looking at the scores, I haven't had I haven't watched a lot of them either of them, but it feels like SMU and UTSA are playing the best of the, the eye test teams. The eye test would would confirm. Um, and so and, and SMU's been a little scratchy too. They were scratchy last week against Rice. They dominated this week on because I think they played on Friday. I mean what. What uh, what Seth uh, or excuse me, what Ryan said, he feels SMU personnel wise is like actually on pretty good standing for when they go to the ACC. That was what he said today. Yeah, like he I, doesn't think there, there's going to be like some huge jump for them. Like, do I think SMU is going to go in and say, "Hey," he was saying personnel wise. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, but do I think SMU is going to line up with Florida State and go game on? No, I do not. Do I think when SMU goes and plays Boston College, Georgia Tech, Wake, um, you know, kind of that bottom half, that bottom half, Syracuse, their roster is going to look fine. Mm-hmm. Now, but like that's the difference. It's you know, are they going to be able to to compete at the highest level? No, but their roster is going to look fine. Like you're not going to like SMU against Miami and Florida State, but most of the other games. They're gonna they're gonna look like they belong. Yeah. Well, it is. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there. Think about this, because this will be my next overreaction. So let's go big picture college football. Yeah, because I was gonna say right. we, here, Memphis locally, we entered the season with a coach on the hot seat, yep. and it feels like he is going to leave the season at the very least. Like he certainly. Like I do think like. He's off the hot seat. There's, I think you're the, not going to can him after starting. No, he's, he's clearly off the hot seat, and I think it's more likely at this point he gets an extension than yeah, he does. That's the more the debate. It's like, does has he done enough to deserve an extension Correct. of some kind? But, but, let's, but when you look broadly, things so, have uh, things have cha- things have changed drastically, especially in the SEC. Again, this is an overreaction. So as time moves on, and there's more information. I will adjust accordingly. But my overreaction is that Texas A&M job is about to get a lot of guys, a lot of raises. Oh, interesting. So that was the biggest job that opened. You had A&M fired their coach. Mississippi State this morning fired Zach Arnett. <laughs> but, I, I think I think I think the news broke. I'm not sure okay. that he was fired. Well, today. I, I'm not sure I can remember a coach who didn't uh, even finish his first way, year. Listen, I'm an idiot, and I get told every time I'm wrong. I nailed this one, and I was well ahead of the well, curve. Has 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 he ever has a, like I can't remember a coach who didn't even make it through his first year, like n- non interim, because he wasn't technically an well, interim anymore. I mean, in college, it's like it has to be scandal, and nothing's coming to mind. The only other thing I can think of this is a Petrino. Yeah, like, but also like Petrino's has some context. Like when Petrino went to the Falcons, he thought he was going to coach Michael Vick. Yeah, and then as we mentioned, Boise State also fired Andy Valos. Um Right after Avalos, right? Avalos, I think it's Avalos. Avalos. Well, he won ten games last year. Yeah, and now this year he's fired. Which, by the way, does that mean Harson's going back? That felt. Mm. That felt. That was the type of firing that, to me, felt like they'd already, they'd already lined someone up. Yes, that would make sense, right? I mean, I guess, but th- I don't know, like that, because they're still technically alive in the Mountain in the West. Mountain West, yeah. <laughs> and so, the, to me, it's either one of two things. It's either you have someone lined up, or even better, you've made up your mind. I so, give them credit that this is the case. You've made up your mind that this is not the guy, and you do not want him to win the Mountain West, and then you're left going, 
Well, damn. <sighs> yeah. Well, it and I would say this. It feels like similar vibes at Boise State as at Memphis. There's really high expectations. And it's a coach who's like was kind of like an internal hire and he you know, you didn't know what you, you were kind of in no man's land with him, it felt like. Um it's yeah, similar I guess, dynamics. I at guess play. though, here's the one thing I would say. Boise kind of had a history of the program. Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar to like what Oklahoma's done. Yeah. Where it's all right, we get someone that knows the yeah, program. Whereas Ryan was like the first kind of right, that, internal the, the, move. The, what had been successful was, all right, go and get young guy mm-hmm. and have him build, and then they got the but next it, one. But it just shows you, and then, you know, like the reality is it feels like Arkansas is going to move on from um, uh, from Sam uh, Pittman, and it, it just shows you how, like, fickle this all is, both both in terms of the good and the bad. Well, and like how fickle this all and, is. Not Luke fickle, just well, fickle. Well, uh, <laughs> also I got my hand up on. Oh uh, Might have gotten another one right. No, I don't think they're going to fire him. But uh, remember when I told you when I saw they hired Phil Longo and everybody was praising that? I go, that is not something to praise. That will not work there. When you go up three to nothing and then Northwestern rips off twenty four straight, twenty four unanswered. Mm-hmm. That's an offensive problem too. Uh, but the other, so you think A and M is going to get a bunch of people raises? So, like, like we were texting about this yesterday, and we both kind of at the same time were like, "Hmm, I wonder if like Dabo would be interested in this." And this is the kind of the moment, like when guys like Dabo leave, this is the moment when they leave. When it's, it's like they're Jimbo. a little disgruntled, yeah, Jimbo, a little disgruntled. Jimbo State. You know, they're not going to get fired, but they like know that like, man, like. People here, you know, people here don't know how good they got right. it, you know, right. and like that, you know, it's like when, when I just remember it because I covered it when Buzz Williams left yeah. Marquette for Virginia Tech. It wasn't like he wanted to go to Virginia Tech. It was, I don't like my situation at Marquette, and if someone here is going to be nice to me and offer me a lot of money, uh, you know, I might do it, even if it's unorthodox. I, that was also the year, had or maybe it was a year before, had Andy Kennedy not won the SEC tournament. And then gone to the NCAA tournament because they won the SEC tournament. That was the year before with Marshall Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bjork, I guess Bjork and Buzz had a pre-existing relationship. There was a lot of smoke that Buzz, like, because Buzz just wanted out. There's mm-hmm. a lot of smoke that that's where Buzz would go. Mm, interesting. Um, well, so who do you think A and M ends up with? Do they get, end up with like? Because like when you, it's funny because when you see these A and M fans and they, like someone puts out there like, oh, they could get like uh, Mike Elko or uh, well, so the, the Washington coach or uh, maybe can they convince Dan Lanning to well, come from Oregon? You know my favorite one I've seen. What's that? Bring Cliff home, Kingsbury. Yeah. Oh, that'd be By good. the way, I know a lot of people he wasn't are, successful at Texas Tech, but he'll do good here. Yeah, but he uh, come on, Texas Tech is possible to win. Yeah. Um, he had Mansell. Cliff is. So I have not seen a ton of him on the sideline against mm-hmm. USC. Dude's not even wearing a headset. Like, he's mm-hmm. really just, like, back there. Ch- now, Grant, I guess he would sit there and go, what am I going to wear a headset for? I'm just on the sideline. Lincoln's calling everything. Like, what am well, what I don't I- think, isn't he not an official no, assistant he's the coach? coach? Oh, he is? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Like, it, it's, I didn't realize that. No, it's, it's awesome. But my first thought when I saw this, especially after, this is the other thing I was thinking. Have we ever had a game? In the regular season, where both teams fire their coach, 
And scandal didn't happen. Like, you know, I mean? know. It's not like, oh, <laughs> this nasty, horrible fight. Well, and, and So you don't think Mississippi State looked at it and went, man, they just fi- A&M just fired their coach for beating us by 40. We got to fire him now. No, this had been... This has been boiling. Uh, I, I think this might have been like, eh, well, we'll just do it now. No one will, no one will question like whether or not we should have fired a guy after one. But when I first saw the news, my first thought was they got somebody. But the more you read and the insiders, Mark, I literally think what this actually boiled down to was when they lost to Ole Miss last week. Like they just decided they'd had enough. They called the board of regents. Well, they had a board of regents meeting scheduled. And then they brought this up. Does Lane bite at this job? I see this. Is, Lane's name's going to be out there. Mm-hmm. And Nor- it's funny. All these people have already had to address it. Norvell had to address it at his press conference. Yeah. Say Florida State had like it was brought up with him. Lane has had to address it already at his press conference. I do not buy Lane as a serious candidate there because their fan base like really hates him. Because you know mm-hmm. he like pokes at them. Also, Lane is not going to do the dog and pony show of all, like, the traditions. Like, that's just not you lame. Know, you know who they might? Well, A&M fans aren't going to be – A&M fans aren't – they should go after a non-sexy hire. But that's not in well, their Well, I think blood. that's Mike Elko. It's Elko. Maybe it's the UTSA guy. See, I, uh, That might be a too big of a step for him. I, I, I think when you're paying that much money, you're trying to get a sure thing. Is Elko a sure thing? Also, will Elko – like – does Elko want? I, I'm not saying he yes Elk, Duke over A and M, but like Elko, he might have some other opportunities. Elko would take this job in a second. In a second, okay. So now, that's the backup plan. So, but my first thought was like they have to have somebody in line. And my first, the first like name I kept hearing, and I was like, oh, it makes sense. Dan Lanning. Mm-hmm. He's got a big buyout. I guess that doesn't matter. I don't think A&M. that matters to them. But I think with Lanning, the question's going to become: Is that the spot? Where I want to go all in. Well, and then the other problem is, is like the guys they're talking about, some of them are like, you know, like, can you wait till like they're done with their championship games, done potentially with the playoffs? I don't think you I can. I think if you're AM, you now, granted, college football's insane because that's the other thing that was great. Did you see the picture of Bjork with their 12th man foundation that was like they had the check of like how much money has been donated this year? And literally during a timeout, they basically were handing over the check. That was going to be Jimbo's buyout. <laughs> like it was unbelievable. It was like that's amazing. Like I, what really this is, is like what literally, a sport. Literally, they're they're spending eighteen million up front of donor money to cover the initial cost, and then eight million dollars a year, something well, seven point something. And then there's another. There's an, in the athletics budget is being added to get away, do away with with. Uh, there's two chunk payments. Oh, and then he gets seven. He gets like seven and a half a year for the the length of the contract. Jimbo is this his last head coaching job? I mean, coach. You know how coaches are. Like they eventually, like they sit there and go, like, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I don't. I don't necessarily. I think he wants to coach again. I mean, will it's someone a matter, hire him? Yeah, somebody will hire someone him. Hire it's him? a question of does that? He'll does, do. He'll do like a Mac Brown. He'll like go back like, to like. Uh, in the end, Houston Nutt could have had jobs after Ole Miss, but it was jobs that he viewed as beneath him. Yeah. Now contrast that with a guy like Rich Rod. Rich mm-hmm. Rod doesn't care. Like I'll take the Jacksonville State job. Sure. Like I'll yeah. go do that. And, and I don't know where Jimbo falls on that spectrum. All right, and then we're gonna have Jason Munns here in a second. Do you have a good? Do, do we have an overreact? Can we overreact enough to Memphis basketball? My, looking really good. You know what my Missouri. overreaction was? Uh, you nailed the Javon Quinterly. Yeah, 
prediction because it's very obvious. As he goes, they're going to go. And in the second half, he was awesome. When he is that good, they are going to be really difficult to beat. Now, the question will be... How often is he that good? How often is he that good? How often in the big... Like, how often in these big games is he that good? Conference play, they don't need <laughs> like conference. Yeah, you con- need it like twice. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, but here and there. In this stretch of games, because it was very obvious, Missouri at one point just kind of like threw their hands up. Like, what, what do you want us to do? I mean, that second half. I mean, they doubled them up. Forty-four twenty-two. I think was the score. Like the score after halftime, and really, it was like from about the six or seven minute with six or seven minutes left in the first half. Well, it's like it on. Even, it wasn't even that close. Like you needed the tech. Like there was like a few things like made. Like that thing could have been a twenty point game. No, and then and then the other thing that kind of emerged in the second half, especially, was the five guys who we all thought were the best players on the team. Those were the guys in the game. All when, right. This was my other overreaction. Was it better that Stansbury was on the bench? Because I got the sense of Rick was Rick was willing to go. We'll go with these guys. Well, I'll say this. Someone mentioned that to me earlier today, actually, too. I would say this. Penny was doing that last year. Remember last year, he'd play 10 or 11 guys in the first half, and then he'd cut it down to 7 or 8 in the second half. So it would look yeah, like he played he, 11 guys. Yeah, but last year it felt like last year didn't have the – this year I think there's more options. Like, you got a bigger buffet. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Um, no, I don't I don't necessarily I, – I think I'm not buying into that narrative of, like, Stansberry. It's not like, like – Stansbury's been a, a no, no. I'm not saying. I'm gonna that, be honest. Rick Stansbury hasn't been to the second weekend of the tournament no, either, ever. Like, no, no. So like, it's no, not like he's. So I was talking about in that specific moment because nah, it felt- I don't. I don't look at it like that. I don't because, like I said, I think. Do I think some more guys would have played? Maybe it, certainly Penny would have chosen different some different substitution patterns. I do think ultimately, he would have arrived at the fact that he was going to play his five best players. Yeah, no, I mean... And then when they played their five best players, they were really good. Yeah, so let's talk about that and more with Muns when we come back right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey. 90- Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. On FM, ESPN. Jason Munz is the Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. He's on Twitter at Munzley. Munz, what are we listening to? 
I know what he's listening to. Yeah, this is this is Seven Mary Three, Jeffrey. It's, uh, it's called Cumbersome. This is this is a grunge classic right here, baby. This is in this post grunge. Uh, uh, maybe a little. It came out in what ninety five, I think. Yeah, that feels, I feel like that's like a little. This is like the predecessor. I feel like to Creed. Yeah, a little bit. But when it came out, man, like yeah, this is a big song. Me was like, yeah, this is a big song. Me was like, we this, want this like. We want this something on, that sounds like Pearl Jam, but we want it to be cheaper. Yeah, cheaper mm-hmm. and, and, and a little su- more Southern. Yeah. So it was, it was released January 96. So, yeah, you're right. Post, a little post-grunge. Yeah. A little post-grunge yeah. there. But uh, uh, any reason for cumbersome? Is, is, is something cumbersome in your life, Jason? No, nah, these Tigers are cumbersome for all comers, right? They're, Especially they're, on the defensive end. hard to handle. Yeah. There you go. Um, Speaking of another grunge classic. So... Munz, you were there in Columbia, so today we got two bits of uh, sort of news. Memphis, after beating Missouri, comes in as the top others-receiving-votes team in the AP poll, and also, for whatever reason, did not get anyone on the AAC honor roll. I, I can't imagine, did any other AAC team get a better win than Memphis did in this first week of the season? I don't. Think so, unless you count last night, UAB beating Maryland. But I mean, uh, I don't know. Didn't don't UAB? Know. They lost to Clemson to start. It was a one-point game, but yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I can understand if maybe they didn't want to give them the Player of the Week. Someone should have made the honor roll on for yeah. the AAC from Memphis. Yeah, someone should have gotten a shout out. Someone should have gotten a shout out from the AAC. Um, yeah. Nonetheless, really impressive. Uh, win for the Tigers over the Tigers, but for the Memphis Tigers on Friday night. Um, I, I guess we'll start here. What to you, Jason? You've been following this team closer than anyone. You've been at uh, several practices. You've talked to these guys. You've followed their recruitments this off season. All these transfers, what have you? What surprised you the most, or what was most impressive to you about that performance Memphis basketball put on on Friday? Uh, I mean. Uh, Devon Quinterly just basically being the guy that he was advertised to be, you know, like, uh, I wrote a, a story on him a couple of weeks ago, post a couple of weeks ago where, uh, you know, it was like the theme of it was sort of like, you know, he's been this hype, their hype seems to follow him around and now he's ready to live up to it. I mean, that, that was kind of like when I'm talking about specifically him, it seemed like that was that was sort of the, the, the he, he like lived it out. He, it, it played out that very uh, thought played out on the court. Like he, he, you know, it was a big, it was the first real big game uh, for him in a Memphis tiger uniform. And, you know, say what you want about the first half and the second half, he went nuts. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he played, it, and it wasn't just scoring. It was, it was distributing. It was playing defense. It was he had eight rebounds. Uh, Hey, yeah, there's, there's, have you seen the highlight? It looked like he was playing the game at a different speed than everyone else. It well, did. Well, there was a, there was a gif. There's, there's, there's a photo, a, a screenshot of him boxing out whoever the one seven footer Missouri had. It's like a, it's a photo of Quinterly boxing out the seven footer, and he ended up getting the rebound. Quinterly, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. His the way he played in the second half was just. Uh, I mean, it was it was really really something, but not just him. I mean, the team as a whole shot like fifty one percent in the second half, or fifty four percent or something. I'll look at it. Fifty one point six percent from the field, including 
50% from the three-point line, five of 10 in the second half from the three-point line. I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I think uh, just the second half was like a huge takeaway, the, how well they played. And then um, included in that is Caleb Mills's defensive performance uh, in the second half. They talked a lot about it after the game. Rick Stansberry included that we basically had to do something defensively to stop Shawnee's the second, who was wrecking them in the first half. 14 points in like an eight-minute span. And so they said, all right, enough of this. We're going to put Caleb Mills on him. Uh, it wasn't exclusive. There were a few plays where other guys were guarding him, but he didn't even get a shot off uh, Sean East in the second half. And I thought that was, I mean, you know, if he doesn't score in the second half, that's great. But to not even get a single field goal attempt off in the second half after what he did in the first half is, I, I thought it was pretty remarkable. So, um, yeah, just that second half was was just something to well, and, something to behold. And then if you look at the second half, there were five guys who played double digit minutes in that second half. It was mm-hmm. Quinterly, Jones, Walton. Um, Caleb Mills and Jordan Brown with Walton, Quinterly, and Mills all playing at least 18 minutes of that second half. Jones played 15, Jordan Brown 10. But the five guys who, you know, started the two exhibition games, who everyone going into the season were like, these are going to be their five best guys, they rode those guys in the second half. Uh, I thought was also just a note, you know, it's just that was part of the win. That was part of what made it so impressive because you're like, oh, like there ain't anyone in the AAC who's going to – I mean, maybe I guess FAU. But, like, there are not many teams in the country that can, that can trot out a five-man lineup like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just last season Memphis had a one-two punch that was really, really, you know, uh, elite uh, with, with Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams. Well, I think – I know it's two games in and everything, and it was just – really one half that that Javon Quinterly and Jordan Brown were kind of elite. Um, but, like, you know, if those two guys, I, I mean, if when they're on, if they're on together, uh, you know, that, that should be that, – that will likely spell trouble for pretty much everybody they play, um, especially in the American. But then you add in, as you said, Jaquan Walton, David Jones, Caleb Mills – I mean, I, I, you brought up FAU. I mean, maybe, maybe FAU can, can you know, handle that. But I'm going to need to see it. You know, just, I mean, I'm going to need to see it first before I can believe that. Because, yeah, I mean, to go on the road in front of 15,000 against a team that got votes in the preseason AP poll, a team that won a game in the NCAA tournament last year, uh, I mean, I know they're picked ninth in the SEC in the preseason poll, but, you know, Missouri, I mean, Rick Stansberry did a lot of talking in the post game about how good Missouri's going to be this year. Some of that might be coach speak, uh, like what you guys say, you know, with the, with the telling your story mm. thing. But, um, but I think there's, it, there's some truth to it. I, I think Missouri's going to win some games that, uh, you know, that ought to, that ought to, keep that a quad one victory or make it a quad one victory by the end of the season. Yeah, because that was kind of the difficult thing for me on Friday night. It's like, okay, what do we know? 
And it's like, I do know this. On Friday, they passed the eye test. Mm-hmm. Like that, that mm-hmm. to me seemed pretty obvious. And I don't know that Missouri's going to be a tournament team or not. You know, I, I have no idea. But I do know that that's going to be, if not one of the toughest environments, what, the three, like in the top three maybe, toughest may, environments? That, that Memphis they, will play in? Yeah. It'll probably be like at A&M might be feisty, you know, when they go to yep. Texas A&M. Maybe, I mean, maybe Ole Miss. Uh, maybe. I think the Missouri game. I, I think. I, I would have said VCU is going to be tough, but I don't know how good they are now after them losing to McNeese State. I know they, McNeese State has Will Wade now, but you know, VCU is a really there. difficult place to win when yeah. they're good. Um, but, yeah, certainly not in the AAC. I mean, FAU is good, but, like, their home environment's not great. They play in, like, a auditorium, basically. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, that's the thing. That's what I could establish of what Friday night said to me. It was, like, clearly passing the eye test. And it wasn't even just passing the eye test because of shots going in. It was like, oh, the things that this team needs to be good, mm-hmm. they got that. It's the, it, it, To me, I don't know if it's going to end up being the I think it will end up being the best team Penny's Hardaway's had at Memphis, but it's certainly already the most well-rounded roster. That's what it feels like when you just look at them initially here. It's the most well-rounded roster. They have, as you put it, a lot of different things that they can turn to. They've got, if if you need a big man and you need to go and feed it to the post, they've got that. If you need guard, you need to go all guards and you need to, you know. You need Quinterly to be a the best player on the floor. Yeah, like, chuck up. You need to chuck up a bunch of threes. You got that. You got if you need to play defense, it appears now, you know, we didn't know who's going to be the defensive stopper. It appears Caleb Mills is going to be the defensive stopper. Like it's got a lot of things that, you know, and they've had some of these things over Penny's first 5 years, but it just doesn't feel like they've had all of them at the same time like this. Yeah, yeah, if you need depth, you've certainly got that. Um if you need I mean, to press, you don't have to worry about that. You know the depth part yeah. anymore. Like remember last year, he would say like he wanted to press more, but he like wasn't comfortable necessarily. He didn't want to tire those guys out too much because he only had so many guys he really felt comfortable turning to. Yeah, and then I, you know one other thing about the game that I thought was, or I guess it's less about the game. I mean, it says more about the the makeup of the of the team is like they. they I mean. One of the things that you kind of the not the unspoken thing, but like one of the uh, hesitations um, that you had with this team is because it's constructed the way that it is. You worry when they do face adversity. You know, you worry about a bunch of alphas. You know, starting to point fingers, maybe sure. when, when times get tough, and that didn't happen. Like. It, it, they they stayed together. They didn't splinter, and uh, and I think that they, they deserve some credit for that too. Yeah. Well, and and I'll be curious to see because I think what they showed to me what they showed, and I wrote a column about this on commercialpeople dot com. Like to me, they showed their potential. I don't know if they're going to be the juggernaut that like you. Frankly, you would not be wrong to like start dreaming of when that as that second half was playing out. But they showed the potential for it. I think this trip to the Bahamas is going to give us, as you put it, you don't really know exactly what's what yet. I do think if they go to the Bahamas and go two and one, three and zero in the Bahamas, and like it's a two and one that includes you know beating an Arkansas, you know beating an Arkansas or beating a you know Michigan's looked better than people thought. I think here initially there's 
There's you you were bringing up last segment. There's some talk in Ann Arbor of eh, we better off with Martelli coaching this team than Juwan. Uh, and and so they got a big one tonight. Yeah, uh, they play St. John's tonight. You get Martelli versus uh, Rick Patino, but um, it does feel like the Bahamas trip. Like this team's clearly good. I think we'll be able to tell better if it's an elite team when they go to the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. There's just there's the thing. The good thing is that they've got so many, they've got like chances. They've got opportunities to to make to to further, uh, you know, uh, establish a, an identity or, or whatever you know, like establish themselves as a as a top twenty five team. Um, because you've got Michigan and you've got Arkansas possibly, and you've got potentially North Carolina, Villanova. Uh, you know, waiting on that third day. Um, I mean, yeah, like I, I do think you're right. I think that that is going to be uh, – it's not make or break, though. I mean, like this team is going to lose some games. Um, I'm not necessarily saying it's going to happen in the Bahamas, but it's not like, you know, we, we can't sit here we, – we'd be foolish to sit here and say, oh, man, like this looks like a two- or three-loss team. No, I mean, it, I think I think uh, just because they're 2-0 and and they, they look really, really good against uh, – This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Uh, 